And welcome back to the FCS Football Podcast presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Sean Anderson giving you the best analysis for FCS football as well as the most entertaining show out there covering FCS football. We have yet another treat for you giving you more of a look into the life and the athletic career of yet another NFL FCS draft prospect this time being Kevin Davidson quarterback from Princeton before we get to that though Sean from what I understand and from what you made an announcement on Twitter you are officially going to be pursuing your career in the the American Cornhole League is that correct oh that's the banter that we're starting with um yes uh that is the plan I have uh an officially enrolled in my first ACL uh, registered event, and I have officially bought a f- my first pair of ACL-approved uh, bags. I got them from Chicali Boards, or Chicali Boards, however they want to pronounce it. They were 35 bucks for a set of four, opposed to 70 bucks for a set of eight from the ACL official bag site, and then it was going to be another 13 bucks for shipping, which is absurd. Um, so I went with them. I think they have a really good uh, bag for me. I mean, they're replicating the the stick side and the slide side. We'll see how they work. I mean, the first bags, and you know, I didn't want to break the bank on the first go around, but they'll probably be the best bags I've ever used to date. So I hopefully I can get some work in before Friday when the event is. If they can get here on oh, Wednesday, wow. I can get two good days of work. Yeah, that's soon. I was. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was just looking, like, because I know that there's the big national event in Ohio on the 13th of March, and I don't know the qualifications for that, but I'm like, ah, oh, I might as well get see if there's any local events around me. Found one at the Twin Pansy uh, Brewery in Sterling, Virginia, uh, where they're hosting, and then there's a chairman, and I'm not even going to email him, and it's I'm going to be assigned with a, a rando. Oh, uh, and he will be he or and or she will be my partner. Uh, that'll be determined when I get there. Fifteen dollar cover might make some money, might not. Uh, but I'm excited. It's it, it's got a lot of steps. It's got a lot of point systems and making sure here. I don't know about the eligibility. I'm still learning about it all. All I know is that I'm a, a gunslinger. I'm going to come in there uh, throwing threes. And if if the people, you know, they. They say I'm, I'm not I, – I wanted to make sure that I was following the rules. I wanted to make sure I had the bags right. I guess I'll bring my own boards. Um, but I didn't want to show up as the super underprepared guy who just has all the talent. I wanted to at least show that I'm somewhat committed to, to following their rules. What, what are you going to do if you get hosed with a with a partner? Like what, it, what if you get somebody's buddy that showed up to have fun It was like the third wheel and you get stuck with someone who's not really taking it that serious? Like what? Yeah, I'll earn my respect. That's all that. That's all that's going to happen. I'll make a name for myself on this one night. So even if you don't win, is there a way that you could still qualify and advance? I might still get points. I don't know. I mean, I there's this ACL. I mean, they have all the rules and all the scoring stuff. I was reading through it. It is a thick PDF to to, to scroll through, and I, I'm sure I'll just learn when I get there how to do it. I'll just ask somebody. They'll they'll help me out. But you know, once I start putting on a show and start doing my thing, then it'll uh, it'll all work itself out. Well, that'll certainly be interesting to follow and and see what ends up happening with that. Um, I guess what we're all wishing wishing you the best of luck. Once we talk with you next week, we'll have an understanding of how that went and 
if you were successful in your endeavor. But we do have some pretty big news that we want to hit on that circulated on Twitter this past week. Sean and I reacted to it on Twitter because of the severity of the news, and that is coming from Eastern Washington University and a suggestion from the faculty and the academic faculty there, rather, in saying that they should be cutting and diminishing the athletic department, particularly potentially cutting the football program there in order to live and deal with recent budget cuts. So the the background on the story, and the story was reported from Wilson Christione of the Inlander, and recently Eastern Washington has had a dip in enrollment leading to eventual budget cuts at the university as a whole. That then sparked the faculty, the faculty in putting together a report analyzing the various costs of other things and pointing the finger at what essentially they should be cutting. And here are just a couple quotes to illustrate things from the article. The report analyzed the cost of the athletics program to be around 12 million to 14 million per year, but says it has had no positive impact on our student enrollment retention or recruitment. It was commissioned by the faculty Senate and has been sent to the Eastern Washington administration, including president Mary Cullen at the end of the month, it will be presented to the EWU Board of Trustees. Eliminating the athletics department has just one of many suggestions laid out as an alternative model for athletics. The others include imposing budget cuts on athletics, eliminating only football or transitioning to the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, which is the NIAA. I believe, I believe is what it is, NCAA Division Two or Division Three are the other places that they would drop down to. The faculty report says that it aims to weigh the cost and benefits of funded varsity intercollegiate athletics at EWU. And the report's analysis says that despite Eastern Washington's football success the last decade, it has had no impact on enrollment or retention, which honestly is incredibly shocking to me that you can make those claims of saying, well, it doesn't really help bring students in. How many students have you spoken to? How many people have you talked to that can attest to the fact that they weren't drawn to coming to the university because they were interested in watching a successful football team? So Sean and I both were very upset when we saw this because frankly, we're not a fan of any school, especially a successful one, cutting their football programs. Eastern Washington did release a statement saying that there are no plans to cut the football program. This is merely a report directed by the faculty. But Sean, we are both pretty ticked off from from having to hear all this. Yeah, it made me, I saw Lawrence Smith tweet out something that was really cool. Uh, a quote from Scott Barnes, who was a college athletic director. Uh, he said, athletics are the front porch of the university. It's not the most important room in the house, but it's the most visible. And with that, you just have to understand as a faculty what could possibly bring students. And if you think that it, a good football team in Eastern Washington hasn't garnered any recognition across the national landscape after they went to the championship and now the Cooper Cup came from them, and it, it, that's kind of absurd in my opinion. Uh, athletics, they are the front porch. It's what you see. You don't think about Alabama because they have a really good engineering program or the University of Tennessee for their awesome biology program. It's because of their athletics. And I get it. Those are kind of hyperbolic examples of the the situation that we're in right now with a school that's obviously struggling with funding. But 
you're still seeing the sports. It's why in every single advertisement that you see on TV, there are at least three sports shots that coincide with the academic kids putting liquids into beakers and examining flora and fauna. It is really important. It's a huge advertising point for people to want to come to a school. When I was visiting Rhode Island, I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, they, they, they're going to let me play football. But then I see, uh, I you just know that they're a basketball school. You know that schools have these identities. Eastern Washington's athletic identity is football. So it, if you're going to try to mess with your budget and your funding, I'm not the guy to work with that. All I know is that Sports attracts students, and students like going to sports games. They, it, 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 sports games. Jeez. Sporting events. <laughs> sporting events. It, it's a big part of college, and maybe some students don't like partaking in that, but a majority, I would assume, do. So it's kind of a, a little bit naive to think that the sports aren't playing any role of attraction when it comes to Eastern Washington. It's, it's worth noting and taking a look at some of these other FCS programs that have cut their football teams. We won't really hint on the UAB situation or uh, previously Eastern Washington had a, a similar situation where their faculty wanted them to cut their uh, or Eastern Michigan rather wanted them to cut their football program. They didn't end up doing it. If you look at schools like Northeastern and Boston who cut their programs in the past 20 years, it makes sense why they chose to cut their programs. They didn't have any athletic success in terms of football. Additionally, they are prestigious academic institutions. They have that to fall back on, and that is really their identity is being a strong academic institution. A school like Jacksonville makes sense in cutting their football program because they were frankly struggling, and financially it didn't make much sense for them. A team like Eastern Washington, why the hell would you cut your football program? You just hit on all the important things here is that it creates an identity for your school. It gives you free marketing when you make it all the way to the national championship game. Understandably, at the FCS level, you're not going to get as much attention for winning football games. But when you make it all the way to the national championship, that's a nationally broadcasted and televised game that people are seeing. People know who Cooper Cup is and they know that he came from Eastern Washington. I'm not a fan of the argument that people like to use, which is, oh, no one's showing up to go listen or no one's attending or um, paying to go listen to a, a chemistry lecture. I, I'm not a fan of that because obviously that's the case. Nobody's paying $50 to sit in and drink a beer while listening to somebody talk about biology or communications. But I, I think it's worth acknowledging that People specifically, if you look at Eastern Washington, probably aren't as drawn to the school because of their their academics. They're probably not going to the school very specifically because of one professor. Maybe there are some students, but there really are not that many that are seeking out because they want to be there to be in front of one specific professor or the faculty or a specific program. A lot of students are probably from the area that want to go there and represent their state and attend a university that has good athletic prowess. If you're in the surrounding states and you don't want to go to a school like Washington or Washington State or um, you know maybe going to Oregon or Oregon State and you want to go somewhere that's a little bit smaller scale that still has that, it attracts students. It has created a, a, a brand 
for your university. So I don't understand how you can just assume that it hasn't done anything for the recruitment or the retention of students. It does way more than I think that the, that these academic faculty members think. Honestly, if you need to cut something, I think you should look inward and look into cutting programs that are currently useless. Uh, I, I I have previously oh, here we go. gotten in trouble. I'm not I'm not pointing right go. at this. No, I previously I, I have gotten know. I have previously gotten yelled at on student radio for suggesting cutting the fine arts department. I'm not saying that's in the in this case, but. There has to be things in specific departments that have low enrollment at the university that would make more sense in cutting rather than cutting the football program. You need to look inward at that stuff before you start asking to get rid of a team that is carrying the load for your school. And additionally, maybe there's other athletic programs that aren't doing as well. That is what should be cut instead of the football program. It, the football program is really the only thing that anybody knows about. At least a casual person knows about. Correct? Yeah, I, I had didn't know much about Eastern Washington until being exposed to their football program. We even had somebody tweet that. I, I, I saw somebody yeah, tweet a, that. Multiple people have. Yeah. So it's just it, I don't I don't I don't agree with the faculty members here. Not one bit. It, I don't know. It's just it's typical, and I get it. They're trying to protect their jobs is the main priority of it, but I don't think that the school would be doing the right thing if they chose to eliminate and drop down their their football program. Well, Agreed. hitting on to a more positive note, we are going to be hearing from our next NFL Draft Spotlight, who was a really fun interview, and that was Kevin Davidson, quarterback from Princeton, the six foot four, 225-pound quarterback who attended the East-West Shrine game and also was invited to the NFL Combine. Let's take a listen to what he had to say to us. FCS football players don't always get the same respect as prospects coming from the SEC and the Big 12. But as we know, the FCS is still a goldmine for hidden talent. Players like Carson Wentz and Darius Leonard had immediate impacts their first years in the league. This year in 2020, who will be the next FCS stud to turn into an NFL star? This is the FCS Draft Spotlight, part of the Believe in FCS Football podcast with Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. College quarterback prospects are typically expected to have started for three to four years in their time in college. Well, Princeton's Kevin Davidson isn't your typical quarterback prospect. The six foot four quarterback dominated in the Ivy League despite only starting in 2019. You know, only being a one year starter at Princeton, I, I kind of started to, to rethink whether that was a real possibility. You know, in my sophomore year, when I was like, wow, uh, Lovett's coming back next year. He's obviously just a heck of a player. And uh, will I have this opportunity? And uh, I just stuck stuck with it and kept kept working my butt off and knew I was going to have a chance at some point throughout my career to to get some tape on film. And that ended up coming. The first opportunity was last year against Brown it was the one game I was able to start and took advantage of that. And then, you know, having a full season, um, everyone kind of said, you know, you only need, you know, a one season's plenty to, to show what you have and to scout's attention. I really adjusted my framework and my mindset pretty quickly and decided to learn the offense like I was a starter, prepare every game like I was a starter. And that served me well when I did get the opportunity. It took, you know, almost two and a half to three years to, to get that opportunity. 
but yeah, I just stayed with the process and knew my time would come eventually. And although there was, you know, tough nights where I was like, what, you know, what am I doing? Is this the right, the right, uh, decision I'm making definitely had those moments, but definitely happy that I made those decisions and, uh, kept on with the process. Even though he was a backup for a period of time, Davidson did not lose any faith or motivation to reach the NFL. I think after the first game, or even the game last year um, against Brown, where I was, I, I always told everyone that I wanted to go play in the NFL, and everyone was like, oh, like what? You're not even playing here. Like, how is that going to happen? And that was kind of something that was tough to swallow. It's like people kind of laugh at your dreams when they're not flourishing in the moment. I think after the game last year, obviously I had Jesper and Steve Carlson that were just unbelievable receivers that made it, you know, a lot easier to just throw it up and, and let them go make plays. But even this year with, with some younger guys, the younger sophomores that, that we worked all summer to develop, just having success early really fueled the confidence. But I mean, honestly, like I, I knew I could, I could play in the NFL even my freshman sophomore year when I wasn't playing. I still had that kind of eagerness and uh and confidence that 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 one day i would play in the nfl in 2019 davidson lit it up orchestrating princeton's offense he threw for 2569 yards accompanied by 20 passing touchdowns in the process of racking up these big numbers he completed 67 percent of those passes his stellar year earned him a spot in the east west shrine game and in motion fake pitch Davidson over the top, 80 wide open into the end zone, touchdown Princeton. Baird picks it off and then Davidson a 31-yard hit over the middle to Kalanini. It was a surprise, especially just because during the season I was solely focused on the task at hand at winning games and my head coach called me in and told me that 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 I received the invite that morning and I was, you know, really thankful and just really excited for the opportunity coming up here in January, just an opportunity to play against the big boys and, and show that I can compete at that level. Davidson was fully prepared to take advantage of his opportunity to participate in the East West Shrine game, which is actually something that one of his mentors, Josh Johnson, who's a former NFL and current XFL quarterback did many years earlier coming out of San Diego. I talked to Josh just about, the whole agent process and then he played in the east west game as well like 11 or 12 years ago coming out of san diego and he just told me how he maximized it he ended up winning the mvp and then got invited to the combine and then ended up going in like the fourth round so just how to take advantage of all these opportunities and uh, make the most out of them um, on that and then as far as the east west game just owning it not kind of being intimidated by these bigger school guys and just going out there, letting it rip and letting your kind of uh, play speak for itself and and really just leading uh, all the guys around you. Johnson isn't the only notable name in Davidson's corner. He also has the support of former Super Bowl winning quarterback Phil Sims and his son Matt, who also played in the NFL. So one of my teammates knew Matt pretty well. He went to Bergen Catholic and knew Matt just throughout the whole process of training at Parisi, which is a speed place up there. And uh, he put me in touch with Matt, and then I ended up meeting Phil. And Phil and I just, you know, ended up having like an hour and a half conversation about football, and just really respected each other, I think. And and now we're we're really close, and it's just a great relationship moving forward. And he's just obviously been through it with both of his sons playing the NFL for quite a few years, as well as him having his 16-year career. It's it's something that's really special and pretty priceless at this stage. 
and they they've become close mentors of mine who I'm actually doing my pre-draft prep with this moment and they really helped me just maximize my skills and mindset and board work and film study and that helped me uh, tremendously as well. Davidson's size is one of his greatest attributes which he likes to compare to two other stars in the league. I think uh, as recently as this year I think I, I think I play similarly to, to uh, Josh Allen and just I think I have the pocket presence like Big Ben. Um, that's something I've always kind of had since high school is just being able to feel the pocket and even if someone gets a hand on you you can just kind of get a uh, get out of it rather than having to get out of the pocket immediately and run but uh, rather get out and, and still be looking to throw because obviously throwing is a lot more dangerous than running in most uh, situations so but I, I love how josh allen plays and how aggressive and his competitiveness i think i match pretty well so he's someone i love to watch I would describe it as being able to, to hit any route on the field. I think I have an arm that, that can compete with the best of them. And that's something Phil Sims has pointed to as well. He says that I've, if I go, went in the NFL today, I'd have you know one of the top 10 strongest arms. And I think that that's, that's an advantage. And um, I'm really excited to show that down at the, uh, the East-West game. And, and like I said, I can still run pretty well, but even my coaches here are like, hey, you know, when you scramble, scramble to throw rather than scramble to, to run, because that's something that I worked on a lot this offseason. And um, I think especially in the Bucknell game, when I got out of the pocket and receivers and I were on the same page with the scramble drill, it, it really paid off. And I think I had like three or four touchdowns on the run in that game. So I think just pocket awareness. And I think it's just going to continue to improve as I get more playing time and more development at the next level. Arm talent is one of Davidson's many strengths, making him a tempting and intriguing prospect for NFL GMs. On our next profile, we will hear from the most versatile draft prospects coming out of the FCS. An amazing interview that we had with Kevin Davidson. He gave us a lot of really cool stuff, especially his background and, and where he's been as an athlete, he's coming from California, came all the way to New Jersey to attend Princeton University, which is obviously a pre prestigious academic school. But it was really cool getting to hear him talk about not only his game, but some of the things that when you start having these conversations, and when I had, when I originally started to talk to him over the phone, um, and he filled me in on all of these people and connections that he has into the pro game. So he knows Josh Johnson, who has had stints in currently on the X in the, in the, in the XFL. He's also has had multiple stints in the NFL. And he's a very similar case to Kevin Davidson of being a former East West Shrine game participant from the university of San Diego and having a, a huge increase in his draft stock from performing well at both of those things. He all, he's also very familiar with uh, Marshawn Lynch. And then the other really interesting thing too, is that he met Phil Sims over the past year and he's been coaching him up and working with him and helping him improve and increase uh, his, his talent level and his draft stock. I think that that Sims connection is very valuable just because he's so in the, he's just in that realm. So having that, insight from sims and also having people know that you've worked with him it's i mean all these guys are working with well-respected well-renowned uh people within the soon-to-be-drafted realm the trainers the the staff the mentors all of that they all have somebody but phil sims is a pretty damn big name you know it, it, that's a good thing to have on your pre-draft resume to say okay this guy has been in on me 
and he's a huge supporter of Davidson and, and really pushing him to get that opportunity. And I, I think that, like you said, though, having that connection is really, really important and then leading to his improvement in his progression. Now, in terms of what we saw from him on tape and what really sticks out and what is his prowess as a draft prospect, the one thing that I keep hearing is that scouts are really in love with his arm talent and how strong his arm is. Uh, he's a taller quarterback. He's, he's on the bigger side. He is an athletic mover. He moves pretty well for a, a guy that's six foot four and around 230 pounds. And I think that the one thing that really sticks out as his strongest trait is his ability to maintain accuracy while throwing on the run, which is becoming more and more of a necessity for draft prospects at the quarterback position because you have guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, who and Kyler Murray, who are becoming the staples of NFL offenses in throwing outside the pocket, being able to move and throw on the run. It's a really good trait to have, especially in today's game. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, is the true king of that. And if you can emulate uh, Russell Wilson's trait and have that as one of your best traits, then you're looking pretty good in the scout's eyes saying, oh, this guy's got a little bit of him, he's got a little bit of him, and then you put it together, you got a pretty good quarterback you're looking at. In terms of pro comp, uh, Sean and I were battling this one out too, as we, we typically have been over the past few prospects. But, Sean, you're, you're saying that he, he reminds you a little bit more of a younger Eli Manning coming from Ole Miss? Yeah, he does, just because young Eli, he was a kind of a, a runner too. He would roll out, make some big plays. I just think he reminds me a little more of Eli than your guy. And Eli's a good quarterback. And I know he's taken a lot of flack the last couple of years for being people think that he's not a good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. I think it's a pretty good comparison for Davidson. I really do. I think they have a really similar body movement style. I think that they throw it pretty similarly. Not the biggest arm in the game, but they definitely can sling it. it they're just accurate. I think that's that's my pro comp is Eli. Yeah, smart and tactical too. I, I my comp and I, I do agree with you. I think Eli might fit a little bit better, but my original one was Josh Allen. Not as much for the huge cannon of an arm, but I think when you look at Josh Allen when he was leaving Wyoming, he was this big, tall quarterback that moved very well, had good legs, was able to run, didn't have a ton to work with. At Wyoming, he was playing with a lot of really small uh, players that really didn't end up going to do anything after the fact. So he didn't have a lot of options to throw it to. So sometimes his, you know, he didn't he didn't look as as good as he really could have until we actually got to see him on that NFL stage. So that that was kind of where I was going with it. Is that he has the athletic traits. He needs to improve and work on a couple things. Um, and and was playing on a bit of a, a, a smaller scale. Yeah, I like when you put it into that perspective, I can see it. Uh, but Josh Allen's known for his arms, so I couldn't yeah. get all in on that comp just personally. Well, I, I don't disagree with you. I do, I do see why why you would be a little bit taken back from because of the fact that you can't really compare the the arm strength. We're gonna get to actually see what he looks like in his ability to throw at the combine. We'll be watching that all very, very closely. Is that's gonna be starting up very soon? Players do report at the combine. 
at the end of the week and drills are expected to begin the following week. That's going to be it from us folks on the Tuesday show of the Believe in FCS Football podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media and interact with us. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon and you can follow Sean at Sean Anderson. 65. We love hearing from you. Send us any questions that you might have throughout the week. We will be pulling for Thursday for any fan questions that you have, especially about the two next teams that we are going to be breaking down for you as a part of our off-season breakdowns. Hell, if you want to do what Rusty did, where I don't even know if Rusty's been listening or not, but Rusty uh, tweeted us and asked us about our 40 times. <laughs> so if you want to do that too, or not our 40 times, our, uh, our vertical. Um so if you want to do that too, we're, we're always open to having a good good conversation and discussion. Also, be sure to follow Believe Podcasts at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to their website, Believe.com, spelled B-L-E-A-V dot com. Additionally, rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And stay tuned on Thursday for the next offseason breakdown of two FCS powerhouses. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.